Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today we are talking about interviewing realtors. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys, it is episode 46. Yay. The Joe Biden. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting worse and worse with it. Like, it used to be kind of fun. And, then, and now. Now it's not. I was debating whether I would actually say that <laughs> or not. I've got, we've got, like, really angry, our, our American fans on both sides are probably really angry. Like, he's not going to be president. And also, like, he hasn't even announced he's running. <laughs> Our real politic types are, are mad at me. So, we're not going to talk about politics. No, no. We're, we're going to talk about real estate. But before we get into that, what's going on, guys? Um, well, we launched, our, uh, we launched our, our new food show. Oh, Eat New West. In, in New Westminster. Yeah. And uh, I guess my wife noticed I wasn't wearing my wedding ring. I, I don't even wear it that often. In the, in the so, Eat New West video. Yeah. And I got kind of told, like, hey, what's up with that? She's like, are you cruising for Eat New West groupies? <laughs> I guess I guess so. But uh, if this ever makes it on the YouTubes, it's, oh, on, it's on today. Jer has his wedding ring. Oh, you got yours on? I got mine on. Okay, so you're good. I'm Rach good. is happy. And Matt. Oh, Matt's making a face. Oh, I forgot. did something I, happen? I forgot mine today. Did you sleep on the couch last night? <laughs> it's I, the I'm not dressed fancy today. I didn't go through the whole routine of putting myself together, and I, I forgot. And uh, that's not good, because the first time we had a video of the podcast, the first thing my wife commented on was, I can see your wedding ring. Uh-oh. <laughs> and then if we put this on the air at some point, you're going to lose the point. Do you take your wedding ring off? Jer obviously does. I, all the time. Yeah. 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 Different places. It could be, like, in the couch cushions. could be on, like, the bed, <laughs> the nightstand, shower. It's all over the place. I, I used to take mine off my, my very first week wearing it. I used to play with it. Like, I'd just fiddle with it yeah. and I'd, while I was talking. Because, you, you know, you're not used to it. It feels weird. And then I left it at the Starbucks that I was at, <laughs> not knowing. And uh, uh, I called everywhere I'd been that day. And, and this little uh, feisty barista was like, yes, I have your wedding ring. You're lucky. I'm not even going to ask why you took it off while you were there to this just, morning. And I was like, okay. Giving, then I, giving you hell. Yeah. So I, I don't take my wedding ring off anymore because I don't want to get told off by baristas. <laughs> well, I don't take it tip. off when I'm out of the house, but I don't, I don't wear it when I'm exercising. I don't wear it when I'm doing sports. I don't. Yeah. I really just wear it when I'm going out either for work or something social. Yeah. That makes sense. That's me. So we got quite a show for you guys today. Matt's going to have some news for us. Um, after that, we're going to get into our main topic, which is questions to ask a realtor. And we're going to talk about all sorts of what you should be thinking about when you're interviewing realtors. Then we got some stories for you and a whole bunch of other stuff. But why don't we start off with the news? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I got a news flash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. 
Now, when we're talking about news, we are usually looking at local news. For good reason. Because we, we're, we're, <laughs> that's where we live. <laughs> we, we tend to care about real estate where we are. Sure. Uh, but I found some news that is an interesting global connection to our real estate market. Okay. The, uh, the Really, it's, it's quite brief, but it gets to the point. Uh, BC real estate is not alone as home prices slide across prime global cities. So this isn't just a Canada thing, you're saying? It's not just a Canada thing. It's not just a Vancouver thing. This it's isn't not just a, the stress test. It's not the stress test. It's not a foreign buyer's tax thing. It's not a speculation tax thing. It is a global economy thing. This piece is from businesses in Vancouver, BIV.com. Um, so really, it's just a few words. I'm just going to read the piece that's here. Okay. There is an, an extended article, but I think it gets the point across exactly what's here. It's easy to think of Greater Vancouver and Metro Vancouver real estate prices as being particularly hard hit in the past couple of years by a combination of provincial taxation measures and the federal stress test. But a report published last week by The Economist Group shows that in global terms, BC's major cities are far from alone in seeing recent declines in home prices. Examining eight of the world's prime urban real estate markets, Auckland, Berlin, Hong Kong, London, Manhattan, San Francisco, Sydney, and Vancouver... The UK-based economics magazine and research group found that almost all of the cities have seen home prices drop hmm. in recent years. So we're not alone. And also, I would not have realized that Auckland was one of the leading oh, cities. Uh, uh, prime uh, uh, global cities. Yeah, I, I was in my head trying to guess which cities you'd name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I probably had all of them except Auckland, but when you said that, I was like, Auckland? Really? That's one of the big ones? But the, the market there has been driving really hard. They've been experiencing a lot of the, like, similar things that we've been, we've been going yeah. through. So they're, they're After right, Australia they... closed its doors. So that a lot of like, foreign owner buyers coming there? Is that... they, fall, they, they, they were one of the first to kind of come up with some measures to try and curb that and help, uh, help local buyers. So it's right. a, it, that would be an interesting one to follow to see maybe if it had any signs for what, what could happen here. But uh, it's hmm. interesting that it is happening everywhere. I don't know if that's just global, you know economics but i don't know but uh i thought that was a really interesting take because everybody here wants to think that it's government intervention that's had something to do with prices right we've spoken about that on the show already before that we don't think it really is government intervention prices were already on a downward trajectory before (laughs) all of these measures were brought in i don't think the government intervention is helping things either but it is a it is a good point it's, yeah, and to me, it's really interesting to hear that it, it applies all across the world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so generally speaking, we're just, it's been a downward trend after some very aggressive upward trends globally. Yeah, it can't, can't last forever. And that was, sorry, where was the article from? It's from The Economist. Economist. It, it was Business That's in a... Vancouver referencing The Economist. So my news segment is referencing Business in Vancouver referencing The Economist. Okay. Yeah, so we're all and just then hopefully our news somebody from references else. us <laughs> referencing them. Yeah, reference. I, got, I got some news from the news on multiple <laughs> offers. <laughs> cool. Well, that's interesting. Before we get into our main topic, I thought maybe we'd try a little early ask for reviews today. What do you think about that, Matt? Do it. Okay. So usually we save this for the end of the show, but who knows how many of you even get to the end of the show? I don't. It- <laughs> uh, that's disturbing. <laughs> 
<laughs> he actually means while we're recording. Yeah. He, uh, he's got his eyes closed. Check, checked out. <laughs> Matt gets through news and he's like, I did my bit <laughs> and I'm out. I thought maybe while he was editing, he's just yeah. like, it seems okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just leave it. <laughs> so anyway, if you guys are enjoying our show, um, please leave us a review wherever you get your your podcast from iTunes or whatever platform that stuff helps us get discovered. And also if you are enjoying the show and you're not already subscribed, we've had a rush of new subscribers lately over the last few days. I've been getting like ding, ding, ding. And it would be really cool to keep that going. Yeah, that'd be great. And I think some of it is coming from our attempts here at putting this out in a video format. Right. We failed last week. Our apologies. Oh yeah, that was sad. (laughs) Uh, So we are going to try again this week. And if it makes it into that video format, again, the request is if you like it in the video format, leave a comment there in the YouTube channel and let us know so we can give that more attention and improve the process. And we've got a backup camera today. We got two. So <laughs> if we can't get the if we can't get there get it right this time, it's 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 not meant to be. <laughs> I just give up. That's, we might just we might just stop the show actually. That's huge. Well let's continue the show. Okay. Why, why don't we get into our main topic? Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, you lost wrong. 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 Very nice words, but happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, so we're going to get into our main topic here today. And this is all going to be about how do you actually interview a realtor and what your objectives should be. Now, we've done episodes in the past um, about how to pick a realtor. I can't remember the episode number, but the title, it was one of the really early ones. And it was, I think it was episode seven, Sleepless in New Westminster, when dating or when yes. hiring a realtor is like dating. Perfect. Thank you, Fact Matt. <laughs> so if, if you want to know how to find a realtor, maybe go back and listen to this episode. This is going to be more like, okay, you've got some contenders in mind. How do you choose and, and how do you narrow it down? And what questions to ask? And if you're really missing our movie title related references, <laughs> <laughs> let Jeff know and he can keep thinking of those or I'll just keep titling them exactly what the show is. Yeah, send, <laughs> send your feedback to feedback at morealestateshow.com. I meant we should, we should sneak some more movie references in once in a while. They're hard, though, <laughs> to come up with on a consistent So fun basis. for the first six episodes. Yeah. Um, okay, well, why don't we start with what not to do. So you've got maybe a realtor in mind or a few few realtors that you've decided that you're going to interview and you're thinking about, well, how do I pick? And And I think, and let me know if you guys agree with me here, that one of the biggest pitfalls is just picking the realtor who tells you the highest price they can sell your home for. Like I'm going to, whoever can get me the most money, that's the guy. Why that's, would that be a the... why would that be a bad idea? Well, because uh, we all know that <laughs> we, we we know that some of you are thinking that. Hang, so the realtors know that the this realtors is part of the know that factor. this that many sellers may be considering that I want to hire you based on which of the two or three of you suggest the highest price, right? Which means the agent in motivation to just get the listing and get and get to work with you is going to tell you an inflated price. Do we, have a, do we have a term for that in the industry? <laughs> <laughs> Buying the listing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I, think, I think, too, 
a seller would say, well, why would a realtor want to take a listing that they couldn't sell? Why would they ever – because they're not going to make any money if they don't sell. It's getting your foot in the door because I know once once they've got, they've got you under contract that uh, there's a good chance they'll work through it and we'll just do price productions and, and we'll get there eventually. But as long as I beat out those other, you know, say you're hiring, you're interviewing three agents, um, you want to be the one that gets it. And, and I mean, yeah, it's definitely a trap that people can fall into is that, well, that guy must regardless of market knowledge, but that guy must really like my house. Like there's all sorts of justifications you can come up with. And, and, and logically, and I understand why, why sellers get there, but they think that that's the person that guy obviously thinks my house is worth. And you could be, we've seen like hundred grand sometimes. And, and um, it's definitely, yeah, it can be a trap for sure. That That's interesting too. What you just said, that guy likes my house. I feel like that becomes a major deciding factor. A lot of the times, yeah. like, well, he seemed to, to, really be emotionally invested and usually that means he thinks my house is worth more money yeah. than the other ones do and we all have like a pretty straightforward approach and, and we're not um you know we, we, you know you say you don't want to blow smoke but oftentimes we're in these appointments and when we're up against people we just like we just want to make sure that that you have all the information here um so that you can make that decision and um yeah and it's just one of those yeah one of those things well one of those things too like let's say you've hired three or not hired you're interviewing three competent realtors You've brought in the New West guys, you've brought in Jeff, and you've brought in some other dude. Or lady. Or lady. Um, And two out of the three people tell you a similar number, and a third one is like, I think I can get a hundred grand more (laughs) than those other people said. Uh, You know, I don't know. My mom always told me if it sounds too good to be true. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, logic would kind of dictate that you're like, that doesn't sound off at those other people. Because usually people, I mean, there's never an exact selling price. It's always a bit of a range. But if one person is just, yeah, two are kind of consistent and one and one is way out to lunch, then there could be an issue there for sure. Yeah, and, and I don't also want to give sellers the wrong idea that, oh, man, my realtor asked me for a price reduction. He must have bought my listing. Or she. Thanks, Matt. Um, <laughs> because it's a sliding market right now. Things are getting worse. It's very possible that the number you gave was the best number you could come up with at the time, but the market is changing. Like price reductions are a part Always changing. of selling homes. It's just when you go in knowing that that price never had a chance. That's that's pretty dirty to me. Yeah. So, I mean, that is hard to know. It's hard to identify. Every situation is different. So I think that's a fair point, Jeff, that no one should assume that that's necessarily what's happening with everyone you brought in. Yeah. I actually have this exact conversation with every homeowner when I sit down. As I say, you might talk to some people who would try to buy your listing. That's the language we use. They give you an inflated price so that you like them and they think that they really believe in your home. This is the supporting evidence to suggest why this is the number I've come up with. So I'm here to really be on your side and be honest. So the sellers then, the homeowner knows, right? right? They know, they understand the motivation. So if we're talking about questions to ask. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, let's before we even get into to questions, let's just take a second to say, okay, let's, let's say you, the listener, are convinced. You're like, okay, I'm not going to pick my realtor based on price. Well, then what should they pick their realtor based on? Shoes. Okay. Matt is out of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> what do, on the next episode, what do your realtor's shoes say about them? <laughs> <laughs> Go back to our episode about what do we drive. Um, but, but really, like, if it's not price, wh- what am I judging? So that's, that's a lot. Yep. So we're not going to just give you one yep. concise oh. sentence here to break it down. We're going to assume that you've 
gone through the other steps and you've, you have located maybe the, the top three people that would be a good fit. So you've kind of already some, done some of that vetting and you've, and you've whittled it down to, to those three. Um, so we know that you know they're comp- competent in their market. They know what they're doing. Um, a, a good part, I mean, there's a lot of things we'll get into of, of like what are they actually doing? What are you paying for them for? But um, a good sense of just how, how are they conducting themselves, how the conversation's going. Is there a level of trust there? That's actually a really good point. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I I did not have that on my list of no? things. I don't even think I had it on to my talk list. about I just, it. I think I just came up with that. But but yeah, do, do you trust this person? Because this is for most people your most valuable asset. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to hire somebody for their advice, let's hope that like yeah. nothing's worse than a realtor client relationship where. If the client doesn't trust the realtor, it can be really difficult. Yeah, every time you give them a piece of advice, they're challenging it and questioning yeah. your motivation and why you would say that. And if it's really true and you're going, oh, my gosh, if we have to go through this every time, I'm giving you some recommendations. Yeah. We're, we're not a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need to be able to be a team. That's a great way to put it. The relationship's going to be going on for several months, you know, in, in this market. Yeah, and um, the market's slower now, so... So you're, well, they're yeah. going to be a part of your family making these decisions, going through stuff, and uh, you need to, yeah, you need to... to you're going like to be them, talking them. to them more than your spouse. you <laughs> <laughs> be in your home a lot. There's a lot of prep that goes in before it goes on the market. There's time there, and then there's time on the market. Like, it's, it's a long process yeah. of getting on and if your idea is that the agent you've hired is your enemy like this is is not an enemy necessarily but it's another combatant in the process who you have to withhold information from and manipulate and that's you're you're off to a bad start yeah you're giving, yes. you're, you're giving them a lot of responsibility too when we're dealing with you know you're moving your family somewhere um you, it has to start with trust i think to summarize basically is if you're not getting good mojo if you think that you need to withhold information you've got the wrong person yeah. Try someone else. And if you keep getting that vibe from everyone, well, then maybe that's just your style and that's okay. <laughs> Figure out yeah. who is the best fit. But maybe you'll get a better vibe from someone else. If you take a good look in the mirror <laughs> and realize <laughs> that you don't trust anyone, then ignore this point. <laughs> but, Move along. <laughs> but in general, you should be able to trust. I I think um, somebody that you – on the same lines of trust, somebody that you can – you like their communication style is important. You need somebody who – you're going to be, you're, like Jer said, you're going to be with them for two or three months, maybe longer in this slower market. This needs to be somebody that you're comfortable talking with, which is similar to trust, but not exactly the same thing. Yeah, I want to go into maybe dangerous territory on that one. Okay. So speaking of somebody you can communicate with really well, right? They're going to communicate to you their opinion on value. They're going to communicate to you feedback from showings, feedback on how to maybe make some changes in your home, which can be delicate conversations, and then negotiating, strategy, all this stuff. These are a lot of complicated conversations, and the two of you, or the three of you, you know, husband, wife, and realtor, should be really cohesive in these conversations. And I think one of the greatest pitfalls we're seeing in the marketplace right now is homeowners who think that they need to hire an agent who they think fits the demographic profile of the most likely buyer. Oh, so instead of somebody who's a good fit with you, you're picking who would be a good fit with who you think's going to buy the home. Yeah, and I've seen it where it's like, oh, I think a builder's going to buy my house. And, right. you know, so we got a lot of South Asian builders. So I wanted a, a realtor who can, who's going to talk to the Chinese buyers and the other Chinese realtor. But if you're going to communicate with you, uh, we've got a problem. Right. Right. I apologize. I paused there. We lost our mics, but I think we're back. Yeah. That's Or even I'm trying to sell the Murano Lofts, Vancouverite, 
hipsters buy Murano lofts, so I need somebody super cool and hipstery <laughs> to speak to the. Are you talking to me? I, I need somebody right with a record collection. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's fu- it's. I always find that one a funny one because we like we represent all all different types of properties, different areas, things like that, and and I mean we've the the buyers have their own representative. Especially with so, the new rules. We get yeah, very little so, contact with the buyer. So I don't care if your buyer is a Chinese person, it, it's someone from Vancouver, whomever. They have their representative who's dealing with them and looking after their interests. And we're the ones that are communicating. So as long as we can communicate with that person, it well, should be an on-issue. Yeah, and I think the, the big difference there is that an experienced agent has experience working with all sorts of different agents. We can have those those difficult conversations. Sometimes there is a language barrier there, but that's between the agents. Right. And we figure it out. We understand how to keep that conversation going. And then we bring all that back to our client, the homeowner, the seller, and have those good, cohesive, constructive conversations. So I think there's a bit of a missing link there sometimes, the uh, a misconception that well, you need. Well, it's advertised, too. You see flyers and things in the mail saying that they have these the, this special you know group of buyers. Um, and whether that's true or not is... That you have to be seen. Ha- that has been one of the oldest tricks in the books since before any of us were even born. You know, now it's the I have special buyers who are coming overseas and they'll only be here for one week and they're all going to arrive on a bus, blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, when when we were kids, it was a letter in the mail showing up to your house saying I have a buyer for your house. But then, when they get there, the buyers change their mind, and like like these and those people with the bus, fictional and, and buyers, yeah, you're, have been a dirty real estate tactic and for e- a long well, time. Even if it is true, they'll still call us. They'll still get in touch. We'll still sell the home to those buyers. Yeah, in fact, legally, um, the person with those buyers can't represent <laughs> the buyers and the listing agent anymore. Okay, I think one last thing that should be considered as an objective is. Understanding the agent you're interviewing's marketing plan. Because there's a lot more to selling a house than just putting a sign in the lawn. And every agent runs their own deal. I know even between you guys, we have a lot of things we agree with. But our marketing plan wouldn't yeah. be identical if you laid it out. I've got a bunch of notes on that because I want to talk about like the Schedule A agreement. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I think this can lead into what questions to ask. Because I think one of your objectives in the interview should be... Do I understand the marketing plan? Do can is this a plan I can get behind? So you're you're hiring you're hiring the agent. We all use the same MLS contracts for the most part. Correct. Um, it'll be a, a boilerplate contract that lawyers have written and everyone says is is okay and it covers all the grounds that people have been sued on and that's great. But then there's a last page that that we call the Schedule A that'll have more details of well what's the agent doing? Um, what am I paying them for? Mm-hmm. What's included in that? Um, and I think it's it's important to whether you you think social media is going to help your your listing, um, whether you think professional photography is important, um, it it should have some of those things listed on there and, and you know get them in writing so you, so you actually know what you're paying for what's happening because you could have it's easy for people to sell this idea that they're doing all these things but unless it's if you actually have, don't have a service agreement saying that it's happening. Where's where's the contract? So I I don't actually put everything I do in my schedule. A. But I but I trust that you would do it. Well, it, and but I do provide evidence as it's getting done. Mm-hmm. And I I I use our Remax boilerplate schedule A. Yeah. I tell the age, and I I'm completely upfront with the sellers about that. I'm like, look, this is Remax's minimum terms of service. Here's all the stuff I'm going to do. 
I'll keep in communication yeah. with you. I mean, before the listing's even happening, yeah. they've seen what's done. But just for me personally, it's not all in the schedule. Eh? Yeah. I, I think it's a good place to put it. I mean, Matt and I, yeah. we've, we've gone through ours, and it was a long time coming. We always kind of knew that we, that we should have. But, I mean, that is the commitment. And we, we, you know, it's real estate. Everything should be in writing. Um, it's a good idea to, to have it there. I mean, that's, that's our, our point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you get out of the contract? That's another one. I know none of us here... If, if things change and you've got your listing contract, I think that's a great life changes. Things ask. change. Can I get out of it? Um, yeah, because yeah, you need to know sometimes the listing contracts, uh, anywhere, you know, three months, six months we're seeing now with, with some agreements. I, I, I take a six month contract. Yeah. Um, but I also upfront tell everybody I work with, if your plans change or you feel like we're not a good fit, I will give you an unconditional release like on the spot. Like there's, there's no question. So well, la- last... I'm going to, I'm going to ask what happened, but, yeah. um, if we can't work it out, well, that's we're the, done. The last thing we want is to have this, you know, person tied to this person again. Yeah. We're spending a lot of time and now it's this adversarial relationship. And that, that's a good question too. Um, so can I get out of the contract? And also are there conditions to me getting out of the contract? Cause there's different releases in real estate. I don't know. I might be breaking some rules here, bringing this up. But well, there's, there's different options. I mean, we've, yeah. we've I've I've heard stories of, um, you know, we spend money on marketing, we spend money on on photography and 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 everything. Um, I've heard of even like agents giving like an invoice, saying, "Cool, yeah, I'll let you out." Here's, uh, yeah, I, I've never done an invoice. I have put a thing in saying, "Okay, we're ending the contract, but if you sell it to somebody in the next month who I was introduced through our marketing." commission is still due because yeah, I think that's that's obje- the objective was to get that person like this isn't a way for you to just cut me out but if your plans change or we're not working out yeah. I'm happy to release so okay so, so I, I had another one yeah. um, you know in terms of marketing because that's what we're, one of the big parts of what we're doing is we're marketing the home yeah um, you want to know how the agent's doing that um, I find I see a trap out there that you see some people that you know they if the agent I think this could be a trap. Maybe it's it's okay. Maybe there's a reason for it. I don't do it, but um, if they meet with you and they're ready to list the house, like let's get it on the market. Like I'll have it on today. I'll bring it back to the office and it's say it's a Friday. Um, you might want to question: Do they actually have a plan here? So so tell us more. Why is it not a good idea? I totally agree with you, but I think it's it's good for the audience to hear why that might. So not in, be a in good our idea. market. Um, it could take a day to get onto some of the sites. So you're kind of missing that, that push. If you are going to do open houses, chances are the public won't even see them. Um, but you know, if you want to take it a step even further, um, if you're doing any pre-marketing, any stuff on social media, things like that, um, it's giving you an opportunity to get it, get it some exposure ahead of time. Um, for us administratively, we, you know, we're ordering, if it's, if it's a condo, we're ordering documents, uh, if it's house, you know, we might have oil tanks scans happening. Yeah. There's, there's some things that need to happen. It's nice to have a good two weeks. I, I'd like to have pictures. Pictures. That's, that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Like imagine you're sitting in someone's you know kitchen on Thursday and they're like, okay, we brought you in. Thanks for being here. No, we're ready to get on the market. Like we're ready to go. We, we want to sell this thing like right now. Yeah. And you, so some agents would be like, yeah, well, don't say no to that. Sign it up and it starts on Monday. Yeah. But it's there's no way you're taking the best pictures you can, A, by Monday, and yeah. B, getting them back from the photographer by then. Like none of that is happening in time. So that's just, that sounds like a little bit of agent greed. And, yeah. and I, I think what listeners might be missing here is how important the first week of marketing is like that's when you have everybody's eyeballs on your listing and, yeah. and the drop-off is huge the longer the listing sits 
yeah, 80 to 90% of the people in the marketplace who could take interest in your home are going to see it in the first 10 days. Yeah. That's another, a bit of a trap, like coming back to the, um, you know, when we were first started sort of talking about the, getting the listings, um, is this actually getting, and I lost my train of thought here for a second. Um, Oh, I've totally lost it. Okay. I'm going to jump in and then when you, so on Matt's note, I think it's important to ask to see the marketing materials because some agents take professional photos. Some agents take photos with their cell phone cameras and don't know to turn it horizontally. (laughs) (laughs) Some agents. Some people use, some use their own camera like a DSLR, but it's not the same. Yeah. And, and some agents get nice floor plans done and glossy sheets and all like, you're hiring them for their marketing, so it would be nice to see the marketing materials firsthand so that you can really um, get a sense of exactly what you're paying for. Sure, and I totally agree. You want to see the examples. You want to know what that looks like. Uh, just to finish the thought on if they seem too rushed, that is very self-serving for the agent and not the homeowner. Yes. Because I have certainly seen people who say, yeah, I order all the documents. Yeah, I make this great flyer. Yeah, I do a floor plan. I do all these things. The listing started on Monday. You get there on Friday and there's still no photos on MLS. Yeah. You get there, there's no feature sheet and they go, yeah, I don't have the feature sheet yet. I just you know got the pictures yesterday and they're making all these excuses. And it's like, well, no, you didn't plan. Like The plan was you do all these things this week yeah, and you bring it to market next week with everything done. There's nothing I hate more than being there, and they say, "Yeah, yeah, sorry, I just, you know, I only just had the photographer here yesterday." Well, and and, <laughs> and that's the important thing too is what's what's the plan? Because I I don't mind having something missing in the first week, specifically Stratadocs, because I like when people come in and if they're asking about it, being like, "Yeah, you know, we've got the docs. Well, they'll be in Monday." Let me get your email. I'd love to send them to you. And having a reason to contact somebody who comes through an open house afterwards is great. But your your seller should know that's part of the plan. It shouldn't just be like whatever the plan, the seller needs to be on on side. Yeah, I mean, you can still have all the documents ready ahead of time and collect an email address to send it to them right away. You're still getting sure. interest in email yep. addresses. But the point is, there should be a plan. There should be a plan. And just because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said I'm going to make a beautiful flyer is yeah. no good if that flyer is ready two weeks after your home hit the market. Yeah. That's really the point. A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. So I was just going to, when I had my little my brain fart there, was just saying the misconception that people have. Like, of course, back to our first point of of course, the realtor wants a lower price. Of course, they want to sell it fast. But but really, and that comes back to trust, too, is um, your chances in that first week or two um, is tech probably going to be the, the highest dollar amount that you're going to end up getting. And we do have a mutual objective there to to have your house sold for, for the highest price possible so you can move on to wherever you're going. So that was that. Well, in a good agent does want to look out for themselves, in a sense. We know that a lot of people come into the open house kind of considering of selling themselves people will just notice the marketing in the marketplace and if we do it right it's going to get us more listings yeah so yes we are a hundred percent motivated to do it right to get you the best price possible all of those things are motivating factors in the back of our minds to do the best for you because if we achieve that other people will notice and we get more for ourselves no no good agent is in this just to sort of pull the wool over your eyes for this one deal. Yeah, it's kind of weird too cuz and like it doesn't we were getting this a little bit more when the market was was super hot and places were selling in a few days and and you get the odd. We don't we didn't get as much with our clients um but well that was sure easy for you. And you wonder like 
would it be better if it took longer? Would you rather this? <laughs> would it be more more worthwhile for you if we drag this on for four months? Well, let, let's let's stay on track here because I I completely agree with what you're saying, but I feel like that could take us down a tangent. Um, what are some more questions we should actually be asking? Or they should be asking in the interview, how do I figure out how they communicate? How do I figure out if I can trust them? What a, yeah, I mean, getting a feel. I mean, there's intuition. You get a feel for whether, whether you can or not. Um, if, you, if, you have, if, you, if you don't necessarily know if they're the person for the area, you could have some questions that are specific to the area or how many houses they've sold in this area um, to get a feel for... Yeah, know. I would start with the idea if a seller is really listening to this and wondering which questions to ask is don't have a massively long list of questions. You, as a homeowner, you're not, you're not interrogating the, <laughs> yeah, the realtor. It's probably not going to come across very well, and it it may sound like a little too much. So, a good question I think to get all of that happening about how do you communicate and how is this all going to go is how do you handle showings. Okay, And just asking that is you're going to find out how they're going to communicate that showing to you, what the plan is, and then maybe who is going to attend the showing or how is that going to be facilitated through lockbox or this and that. And then after the showing, how are you going to get your feedback? But you're probably going to get all of those answers mm-hmm. just by asking, like, how are you going to handle the showings? It's a good and idea. it sounds like a really simple question. But there's a lot of variation there's in There's different that. methods on, on how agents are doing their showings, I, for sure. I am sure we answer that question completely differently. I don't think either method is wrong, but a seller should be able to listen and say, okay, I, I, I like that, what they're saying, how they do it. Do you want to talk about just at least the options of what's out there and people can decide whether they think that that's good or not? Um, yeah. I mean, I mean there's we, three easy ones. Your agent shows up there and actually tours the home with the buyer. Um, there's a lockbox, so the agent isn't present, but there will be a buyer's representative with the clients. Um, key pickup, am I missing one? I think the the missing one is the the happy medium, I, and I think this is a discussion that a seller and an agent should decide together. Do I care if the agent is there all the time? Do I care if the agent is there specifically? Like, is there a difference between having the realtor present when it's another local realtor who already yeah. knows everything about we, the building? We, we talked about that a bit on the show. Versus, how to do a showing? But yeah, yeah, and and also, um, am I willing to lose a showing if a realtor like? I guess here's the thing I always put there. I love the idea of being there for showings. And I'm not saying you guys because I don't believe this is – this is not you guys I'm about to talk about. When you ask, are you going to be there for showings, which I think Matt's question is a way better question, how do you handle showings, than are you going to be there? What a lot of realtors don't tell you is the realtor who says, I'm going to be there for every showing, doesn't finish the sentence with, except when my kid has a hockey game. And except when this does. And you'll, or, or if there's traffic. And you'll never find out how many showings you missed because the realtor had some other commitment, even just another showing of one of their other listings. So I think a conversation should be had of, well, what's the alternative? Like, I want you there for sure, but if you can't be there, do I still want the showing or do I want to reschedule the showing? Or There's a lot of different variation on yeah, how that Yeah, I think that's handled. a huge trap that's, for homeowners. That's never yeah. asked. 
Well, yeah. but I, I, I've been asked many times, are you there for all the showings? And that's a loaded question totally. that makes it sound like, I want you there for all the showings. Yes. And then we have to backtrack and give them this whole explanation of, I want to be there for the showings, but I don't yeah. want you to miss a showing, and I'm going to tell you all this stuff. Yeah. But it's a really loaded question that puts me on edge thinking like, okay, now your expectation <laughs> is I'm there for all of them, and I want you to know that's not the best thing for you, but now I sound like I'm... But how do I tell that in a way that doesn't... Because what you're saying is true. It... I, I 100% believe it, but communicating that to a seller can be difficult. Like sometimes they're... You did, we don't want you to miss a showing. And the agents who say, I'll be there for every one of them, like you said, never tell you of the ones that they turned down because I'm, they weren't available. I'm not going to name names, but there are local realtors who I know it's going to take three tries to show their properties because they're there for every showing and most of the time they're not available. Yeah, the oh, I'm already booked then. Oh, I'm already booked then. Yeah. I'm already booked then. Oh. And sometimes you don't get back. Sometimes you find another home. Yeah, you went and the, saw six homes that day. Yeah. Saw the other one in the building. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that is that is a really important question to ask. But again, don't load it up with, are you there for all the showings? How are you going to handle them? But I think it leads you into things. like Because you, you asked me this question based on communication. Yes. Because I think it then gets followed up with, like, how do I give you the feedback from the showing? Totally. And some agents will say, I call you every Monday and I give you a report from the week. Or I call you every Friday and I give you a report from the week. Yep. So there's a very determined time there. Others will say, you know, well, I'll get back to you within a few days of the showing. Because um, we've talked about like how to do a showing and sellers always, you, you want to know like right after how did it go. Yeah. But there isn't a lot of feedback to give immediately after. So you want to hear from your agent what their plan of attack is. So you know what the expectations of communication. Yeah. And I think that's a real personal thing. I don't think there's a right way to do that. I think you just need to be like, yes, I'm okay with how that is going to go. And then you also need to see that they do what they said they did. <laughs> they do, which you're not going to find out in the interview, but that's important, right? Yeah. Um, people might want to know about open houses, whether the agent does them or not. Maybe in that area, they're important. It could be different for, for everyone. Um, but, but do they do them? Are they there every weekend, twice a weekend, which could be really inconvenient for a seller? Um, what's the plan there? Is the agent there? Is it one of his team members? Is it a junior or is it just a random agent? What, how, is, how do they facilitate those? Yep. That's an important question. If the open house is important to you. Yeah. What else we got here? Well, there's, there's a, we can just go into things about marketing. Uh, one thing that we didn't talk about on the contract, because we talked about contract length and what's actually in your contract, is uh, the commission rate. The, the fee? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might want to know what I they charge. I guess you should ask about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And we can't talk about it. Well, there's, or it's all over the place. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the short legal answer is we are not allowed to talk about a standard rate because of the competition bureau. But yeah. do some research, find out what other people are charging, and see if it's something. We can't say on average that in the Vancouver area we're one of the sort of more affordable uh, areas compared to like Eastern Canada and things like that. Oh yeah, commission rates. They have they have some averages. If you Google it, you'll find there's some yeah. there's some averages out there if you want to see what what rates are at. Yeah. But. Ask what you're paying. I think the most important question that isn't asked when it comes to commission is what's offered to the agent representing the buyer. Yes. Nobody even knows that that's part of the contract. Yeah. And they certainly don't know that's a question to ask. What you need to know as a seller is our rules require that the agent for the buyer is offered at least $1 for bringing a buyer to your home. Yeah. Now, the way that the buyer's agent is typically compensated is from commission that comes from the seller, but really the buyer is paying for it because the buyer pays the whole price for the house and then the seller subtracts the commission 
So the buyer has paid. The sellers. The sellers. That's co- a whole big. We, uh, we, we could really <laughs> have like an hour long conversation about who's paying. Yeah. But the 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 important nugget in what Matt just said is that a portion of the commission you are paying is going to the buyer's agent, and you should know how much because lots of agents out there will try and skimp on that to make a little more money themselves. And that does hurt you when a buyer's agent is looking at all the similar houses and they're like, oh, this one's going to pay me $5,000 less than all the other ones. They're not supposed to. They're not supposed to, but they're humans. And even if that just puts a little sour taste in their mouth, and you're paying this probably the same commission rate that everybody else is. Why is that one you could have, out. yeah. You, yeah. I mean, you, you could be doing a tour, and you got twenty listings that the, the client likes, and there's two of the exact same floor plan, and and you know that agent, not us, but that agent could see that, you know, I'm getting more compensated. That one's easier to show. It's a better agent. Let's just we'll yeah. just show that one. If you like it, we'll we'll go in. We'll dig in a bit more to the other one, but they might just sort of write that one off if if there's a better one. So to summarize, that's the incentive for the agent for the buyer who is bringing the buyer to your home. Yes. Who is doing going to the effort to who you are paying for. You're <laughs> yeah. paying to entice that buyer's yeah, agent. Yeah, and you're and you're and you're compensating them for competently closing this deal from bringing the client to your home, educating them about your home, negotiating and closing that deal. Uh, The other little twist, the extra layer to the compensation part, and I don't think this falls anywhere into the contract, but it should be on that last page of Schedule A. If you happen to have one of these agents who puts in a little extra clause in our realtor remarks on MLS. So MLS listings are kind of the same for everybody to see. What realtors can see is an extra comment section, and sometimes it'll say, commission is as noted above, except or only if the agent is present for first and all subsequent showings. If not, commission is only $500. Have you seen that clause since the rules changed? It should be, yeah, because it should have to be in the, the commission breakdown now. It should, it has, well, portion. it has to be in the Schedule A to be enforceable. Lots mm. of people yeah. put it in. I, just side note, I haven't seen that since the rules changed that there has to be a buyer's It's possible agent. that now some realtors have made some changes because I, it's I, a I more still, It's still possible. I still see yeah. it around. I think you should just know as a homeowner that that is a practice yeah. where some agents are trying to say, I'm not going to give this commission to the other yeah. side. And there, I just hate seeing it as a buyer's agent where I go, oh, I got to, like if my client happened to phone and made a mistake and called in, like you're trying to take all of this commission away from me. I, I think on that same note, a, a really important question to ask is, And again, Competition Bureau, we're not allowed to use a standard commission. But let's say you're paying higher. Like you interviewed three realtors and one realtor convinced you that they should pay a higher commission than the other two. And you like their marketing plan and you're picking them. A good question, I think, is does any of that extra commission go to the buyer's agent? Like is part of that money going to make it even more enticing? Or is that all going to the seller's agent? Is it it accounted for? And I mean, you know... It can't really be understated. It's extremely effective how much is being offered for that buyer's agent, especially in a buyer's market where we need as much attention as possible. Obviously, all this market, your marketing efforts is extremely important, but am I compensating that buyer's agent? I mean, look at look at the, the pre-sale construction. Um, the developers are offering huge commissions right now because the market's slower, whereas those are always dialed back when they're, when things are selling, selling better. So, the, yeah. you know, the incentives do work. I, I think it's really important to ask what the pre-marketing plan is. What are all the things that are going to be, we touched on this a little bit, but to just flat out ask, what are you going to do before the home hits MLS? And that includes all the prep Matt was talking about. Yeah, that Staging, might, pictures. That might include some sort of staging. That might include 
some sort of online advertising building hype before it even hits MLS. There's a whole bunch of different things that that can be. Um, and I think it's a really good question of like what happens in that week before it hits MLS. So we, Matt, Matt mentioned, don't rush it to MLS. Why not? What are you going to do during the time that, uh, that we're waiting? What am I going to do personally? No, I think that they should ask. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is important that there there is a plan. Okay, so we've asked about marketing plan. We've asked about the contract structure. We've asked about um, sorry, marketing plan, contract structure, showings. Right? How is that going to go? That's on the vein of communication. So, are we in all of this discovering if this person is a good communicator? Um, we haven't even gotten into things like. You know, questions that are good to understand the reputation of your agent. A lot of things, these things you could probably actually learn before you even invite someone into your house. How long have you been doing this? Are you familiar with the area? Are you familiar with this type of it product? Is a, it, it's a bit difficult to find to find out how long an agent's been been selling real estate. Well, some of us note that specifically, though, yeah. on our but profile. Yeah, it's a little difficult, though, for, for someone to say, I just met an agent. They seem to know what they're talking about. Let, let me just check. They look young. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as easy as easy to find. So you might have to ask that. And there that. are a lot of realtors who get into real estate as a second career. Like I retired. Oh, you want to ask if they have a second job? Ooh, yes. Let me finish my sentence. And then <laughs> that was actually in my notes of questions. Um, so the, my finishing thought was there's a lot of people who retire and then think, oh, real estate would be fun. And you get these people who are older and you just assume that they've been selling real estate for 30 years, but really they've been selling real estate for six months and they're kind of semi-retired. It's yeah. good to ask. It's a side hustle. They, yeah, I mean, if you see their signs all over the town, chances are you know. But if you're not sure, it, it's definitely good. And I don't think you necessarily have to go with the number one guy. That's a whole other conversation. Um, but knowing how much, how long they've been doing it, roughly how much business they're doing, these are good questions. Jer, Repeat your question, because it was really good. What was my question? Is this their only job? Oh, is it their <laughs> only job? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, we've got a funny quote in one of the bumpers about it. Was it only a two-week course? Um, it's not the most challenging course to go through. There's and there are a lot of realtors who only sell three or four houses a year, and it, you can't make a living on that. It is a difficult profession to get into. Um, there's lots of challenges. It's expensive. Um so it is very tempting for for agents, especially when they're when they're newer, to to have another sort of supplementary income. Um, so they might, and that can be a problem because they might not have, they're not plugged into the market. They don't have their, you don't have their full attention. Well, if they can't take calls between nine to five because they're at their other job, yeah, we fight with that. I, I, I as the seller want to know that. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That should be pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, understanding your agent's working hours are important, even if it's a full-time agent. Some full-time agents are quite forward and say, I, I'm not really available on Sunday. Yeah, right. right. Some of them will tell you that, or some of them will say, you know, I'm available obviously for anything important, like contract negotiations after 8 p.m. on weeknights, but otherwise, you know, mm. things come in after 8 p.m., you'll hear from me in the morning. Right. I think, you know, on the flip side of that is... Um, it's easy to go look on Google and there's, there's lots of ads now and it's fairly clear what's an ad. Um, but you might go and say, well, this was the number one top Google search result. So I'm going to need to bring that guy in. Um, it's good to know that, you know, sometimes the person that has, um, a lot of listings has several team members, you know, who are you getting, um, who's going to be the point person? Are they experienced? Sure. I've hired this outfit, this, this marketing, this team, um, 
but I end up with someone who's only been doing it for a year. So it might be, that might be a, a good question. Um, and you know, not to discredit them because there's young agents have, they've got a lot of drive. They can be extremely motivated. Well, we're, we're, we're all on teams here. So a good question to ask a team is who's my point man? How does that work? Yeah. What? And, um, and if my point man isn't the person I'm interviewing, <laughs> You should better talk to the person you're actually going to be working with. Will you see? Will you see that person? <laughs> of all this talk about building rapport with the person you're going to communicate with, you should probably be Make interviewing sure the person. That you're talking to the right person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we we come from an environment of teams that have senior experienced agents, both Jeff's team and our team. So yeah. that's very different from the model of bigger teams that you might get handed down to a junior less less experienced neither of us are are running army of minion teams yeah 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 and and sometimes there may not be a team of realtors but you have an agent who has an administrative assistant Mm -hmm. and that goes a long way too right understanding all of the people involved with the 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 individual or the business you're hiring yeah right you know an an individual agent with an assistant is quite powerful you know and, and we have assistants to help us out because when we're in meetings there's someone there to handle those incoming calls those requests for documents those requests for showings those types of things. It really keeps the wheels turning and all of that stuff moving along throughout the day. Yeah. And that's beneficial to the homeowner. Correct. Okay. Well, have we covered everything? Is there anything either you never, guys wanted never to... never cover everything, but... Sure, I, I, but have I, we I, covered I, the ground that you wanted to... My points have been made. Okay. I have check marks. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, so, was there anything well, you wanted to touch on before we... No, I think it's important just to summarize, though, I mean, to, to bring it all back, we said the objective was to really understand the person you're interviewing, understand if you can communicate well with them, if you have a position of trust. So yeah. th- these questions should lead you there. And I'll repeat what I said earlier is try not to ask too many questions. Have a few good open-ended questions that allow the agent to really, you know, explain to you what their process looks like. And then just sit back and judge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's going to do it for interviewing questions. I don't have a good story segue. I just want to hear Jer's story now. <laughs> well, now you're going to build it up. It's story time with Jer. Great story. Compelling and rich. It's not always my story? No, it's not always your story. What if Matt has an awesome story to tell? Well, he can tell it to me or write it down and I will <laughs> paraphrase. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So, you know, we're kind of getting back into the swing of sort of more balanced, typical markets um, when you have subject removal periods. Um, we just had one, uh, one of our listings and subject removal, plenty of time for subject removal. This particular property um, had the, you know, the floating floors. Um, you can have either laminate floating floors or you can have engineered hardwood that actually has the wood on top. Um, we were selling it as having engineered hardwood. Um uh-oh, that, that sounded like a, a setup comment. And, <laughs> and so subject removal period, you know, you go through your financing subjects, you have your home inspection, things like that, and a number of days pass. Um, after home inspection. After home inspection. Have they removed subjects? No. No, not, not okay. yet. So, you know, you check in with the other agent. How's everything going? Ah, everything looks good. good. Oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah. just let me know. You know, if you want to remove conditions early, you're, by all means, you could do that. <laughs> but, uh, but if we want to try... <laughs> Well, we'll drag this out another couple more days. That's fine. That's cool. Um, so, you know, Monday rolls around and and it 
all of a sudden, like you know, you got the subject e- removal day. Subject removal day rolls around, and okay. you get the you get the email. So, just you know, wondering, um, the home inspector wasn't able to confirm that that was actually engineered hardwood floor. I thought maybe it could be laminate, but he didn't want to you know pick a side either way. So, um, it's Monday. It's the subject removal day. There's been plenty of time. Now we've got to figure out how am questions I, to the last you know, with a tenanted property. Um, it just it brought back memories of of mm-hmm. back you know years ago when this was a, a thing and things are down to the wire. Um, but but yeah, now we're we're kind of stuck with this. How do I prove that this flooring? Yeah, is... I'm gonna need proof that's engineered flooring, or I'm feeling a little uncomfortable going ahead with this purchase. So it, mm-hmm. my inspection was on Thursday, but I thought I'd tell you this on Monday morning now that, you know, the sellers and everybody involved have gone to work for yeah. the day and today's our last day. It's an interesting question, too, because if you look at the floor and you like the floor, like the yeah. difference between there, I, I get it. You want to pr- know what you're buying, but there's the a difference between difference. a high end laminate and an engineered hardwood. I mean, the quality's better with an engineered you're, hardwood. You're paying but, good money for, for a property um, and you know you're you're sold something and if it turns out to be the the notion is it's you know fake so with this idea right. that it's not what i'm paying for and i and i get it um totally understand not the right time for it um so that was frustrating it creates undue stress on everybody um that's not needed and and at subject removal period you you're trying to get now i'm trying to get a hold of a strata agent do you have a record of this i have a homeowner that's at work um do you have a record of you know, proof of this. We know me, Matt and I know you would know, you look at the floor, you can tell there's all sorts of different key characteristics that say, right. This, but there's not repeating it. patterns. There's different size floorboards, things like that. But now I've got to find, how can I prove I'm not at a property? Um, I have high res pictures that can show, I mean, you could be able to look, but mm-hmm. you know, without actually going in there and now ripping up a transition to try and find it, I need to sort of some, some paper proof. Um, so we were able to find the original receipt, which was a, a total saving um, for us because we, we would have been... It would have just made it a lot more challenging. And it, for it us was to, engineered to hardwood? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, that could have been something that could have potentially killed a deal. So, uh, so the learning for the listener there would be... When did they do the inspection? Like Thursday or Thursday. something? Thursday. So if, if something comes up on Thursday and subject removal is Monday... Start. Maybe try to bring it up on Friday yeah. <laughs> or Saturday yeah. or Sunday. I would have been okay with Sunday. When when I was in um, <laughs> film school, I had a production teacher who talked about the joy curve. And the joy curve was basically when you're trying to get something done, the earlier you ask, the more likely you are to get it. And his example was always, hey, if I ask Matt to help me move two months before I move, there's a very good chance Matt will be like, yeah. Because the pain of moving is so far away that eventually he'll he'll say yes and not think about it. Whereas if I ask him on the day, "Hey Matt, I'm moving today," like Matt's going to say no. Not I, a good day. I'm busy. I feel like subject removal day is the worst day to ask for anything. Like yeah, I also feel like too much time between the inspection and subject removal almost gave these buyers too much time to sit there and dissect and weigh information. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like almost look for some sort of problem. I, I like the day before subject removal. One or two days makes like a lot of do. sense, right? Yeah. I was really happy when they said, oh, we've got it booked it for Thursday. I said, great. You guys are Lots of time. ahead of the curve. Right. This is great. And yeah. Jerry was following up, like he said. You know, it's just, why leave these things to the end? This is important to me. The, like the, the buyer comes in and says, I need to know this or I don't feel comfortable going forward. Which is fair. 
Okay. What's but not fair is the timeline. This is really hard you. to prove in the next five hours. In a tenanted property. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Especially if you had a time zone change, too. That's uh, cuts yeah. a couple more hours out of the day. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, working against us, uh, not helpful. But if there is a tip there, um, the quicker you can start communicating about any potential issues or concerns. You know, the Give better. people a chance to help it's, you. It's interesting that your story was about time because my question is about time too. Ooh, nice. Check out the big brain on bread. How's it working out for you? What? Being clever. Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. So this question came up yesterday with a buyer that I'm working with, and we had talked about all of the things he needed to do to get ready to buy a home. And one of the things is he's a first-time buyer, uh, and Evan is pulling out RSPs to uh, do his down payment. And we saw one he liked yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the question is... How early do I need to start the pulling the RSPs out? Early as possible. (laughs) Well, that's a dangerous answer, though, for those who are really committed to their investments. And if they're one of those types who could go on for a while. It takes a few weeks, though, doesn't it? It's like two, three weeks. Or more. It can take a while. It depends. It depends on where your investments are, how they're structured. I, I, I make no assumptions as to how it is. Yeah. It's a question that needs to be asked of your client. We've talked about this in other episodes. Mm-hmm. What is the source of your down payment? What is the source of your deposit money? Is it liquid and available? That's a really important distinction because if you need the investment for the down payment but yeah. not the deposit, the deposit is the good faith money that goes down at subject removal. It becomes part of your down payment. Then you got lots of time. Yeah, you're like, oh, I don't become the owner for two months from now. That is definitely enough time. My financial advisor told me, oh, no problem. You know, yeah. If you give it a month, we can always make it work. So you feel very comfortable. But then there's Jeff knocking on the door with this buyer saying, okay, now when we write this offer, you need a, a deposit in about 10 days for $30,000. Is that money available? <laughs> they go, oh, it's in my RSPs. I can't get that in a week. Yeah. You go, so now we got a problem. Now we got a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's important. I think the distinction there is if money is not liquid to understand how much you need roughly for a deposit, not a deposit. Yeah, deposit. Yeah. The deposit, the first installment that you're essentially making when you remove subjects. Yeah. And, and I don't think we even need to give a concrete answer here. I just think it's important that if this is something you haven't thought about, if you're trying to buy a place and you haven't had this conversation with your realtor, hopefully we've provided some value of if that's your plan for where your deposit is coming, you need to talk to your financial advisor because it's not the same as going to the bank and getting a bank draft. And your mortgage broker will want to know too, they'll need different requirements for when deposit funds are available and things like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Simple answer to the question is talk to your financial professional. Yeah. And make sure you're talking early. Because it's not, (laughs) it's not instant. Yeah, and there's no clear-cut answer. Everybody's investment situation is different. I wouldn't know. I don't know how to invest money. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's pretty much going to do it for the episode today, that's guys. That's 46. That's 46. The old Joe Biden. <laughs> I made Matt groan. Um, that's not going to be funny a year from now. I know. That was very <laughs> – unless, unless he is. And then, then, then it's prophetic. It. Yeah, and then we're going to be like, we were right. Um 
Yeah, so if – oh, man, I totally lost my train of thought. I got distracted, but I'm back. If you have questions, please send them to mo no feedback at morealestateshow.com. And if you want to get a hold of Matt or Jeremy, you can reach them at thenewwestguys.com. If you want to get a hold of me, Jeff McLennan, I am at realestatenewwest.com. Thank you guys very much. Thanks. Last week, Jeff, you're telling us about how when you uh, presented in Vegas, you were feeling the uh, the empathy of being a presenter on stage. Yes, and understanding what that's like. Uh, we've been contributing a lot more to YouTube now, trying to get the podcast on YouTube and some other content. And I'm definitely feeling very empathetic to YouTube content creators. Okay. From yeah. the start of just uh, looking at analytics, like watching a video through to the end. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you feel yeah. like obligated yeah. now? To- now when I watch a video from somebody I like, I'm like, I got to hang in there and go to the end. It's good for their analytics. <laughs> I want to support them. Okay. <laughs> and of course, the other is the comment section. Right. And uh, just last night, Jeremy and I got our first absolutely negative real troll we had a troll i I saw that comment that 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 was an angry man we found one of the grumpy people on youtubes yeah which will never make sense to me youtube is a much angrier place like i find the comment section on youtube can be a lot more toxic than the comment section Mm. on a lot of other social medias like youtube users are allowed a lot of anonymity yeah, whereas like if you're commenting on Facebook, your friends can see what you said. If you're being a jerk. Yeah, whereas on on YouTube, um, yeah. yeah it, well, and Facebook wants you to sure. use a real name. Yeah, like they want to prove that you're kind of a real person and you represent the profile you've created. Right. Uh, they want to picture of your family. They want to know. YouTube just says aids. create a Gmail account. And you can give it some funny screen name, avatar, or whatever. Like you can yeah. be completely hidden and anonymous. Our, our favorite listener, Sam, um, has a fake uh, Gmail account <laughs> for leaving <laughs> negative Yelp reviews. <laughs> so, and I've seen them. He's mean, <laughs> but only when warranted. <laughs> oh yeah, they're bad restaurants. But he like, and he'll leave like five. He's got. I think he's got five accounts, <laughs> so they can all swarm. <laughs> So he can troll himself on there? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. one of them's like, you What jerk. are you talking about? <laughs> that was you really over the top, man. That was mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why'd you go there? <laughs> yeah. But any of this guy, uh, it, it's, it stings a little bit. Like reading it this morning, like it, it, it hits home where you go, should I be making this content? You know? Like, oh, yeah. I didn't think, I didn't care. Well, you know, but, but it, it, may, it does make you question yourself for a second. Well, I, I you know? looked at that guy and that guy makes content where he makes prank phone calls. So, so, pretty cool guy. I I think a lot going on in life, and he didn't comment on me, so I feel like I can just go <laughs> off because. Uh, where can he find you at? Yeah, what's uh, your YouTube? Uh, <laughs> Google Jeff McLennan. Uh, he can come, but like I, I think that guy was just trolling you for attention. I think he's trying to get. I mean, what a jerk! That's the motivation for, for the listeners. He called. The, what did he call you guys? Boring, dorky, dumbasses. Yeah, that's, and, that's us. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you're providing I mean, a video explaining pretty, piping and condos. He's pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> now I'm mad for you. That's part of the problem with these trolls too. Is you can never get, um, like, if somebody in real life 
comes at you and says something, you can kind of get a bit of catharsis by saying something back to them. But on you, like, what are you going to get into a little don't, fight online? Like, right, that don't engage, well. don't no, feed the troll. Not, right? You yeah, know, it's it's just it's really funny. I mean, the comment is, "Why are you even advertising this? Who even needs to know this?" And then I take satisfaction from the other seven comments that are, "Thanks, this is really helpful information. Keep them coming." What a comment! <laughs> like, that's a great observation of how the human brain works, though, because you've got seven really positive comments and one jerk, and we're talking about the one. Jerk. <laughs> well, yeah, and I've been feeling really uh, good about the other seven comments. Good. I have. You yeah. know, they, they've given us encouragement to go and make more content, and we are. So yeah. that's been really good. And, oh, yeah, I mean, you can definitely... But you don't lie up love. at night thinking about, how, what should I say to those nice people who've said good <laughs> stuff about me? <laughs> like, it's a weird environment to be in now, but I mean, really just talking about the empathy of being a presenter, a creator, and totally. understanding, you know, you put yourself out there there's going to be some feedback in both venues or both varieties. (laughs) you got to be able to take it. So that's what we're doing now. But the podcast, we've been doing this for a year and and we've survived. So I feel like the the YouTube is going to be the same thing. Have have we ever had an angry podcast email? Like, I can't... We've had a few corrections where people were like, oh, actually you said this and that wasn't... Yeah, but yeah, we don't. But, the, but but podcasts don't have one concise, condensed form like YouTube, where everybody who is consuming the podcast can go there and leave a comment. Yeah, you to say, can't this do, is stupid. You can't do it for the other people. You have to be so angry at us that you just want to tell us, and we're the only ones who know. And I don't mind the correction emails. No, no, like I've, those no. are actually helpful. No, it means you're paying attention. I love that. Yeah, and and a lot. Sometimes we make mistakes because we're human beings. <laughs> <laughs> Except me. Except, except robots. That's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> All right.